Fantastic. So, so good to be able to uh, share with you today. It's a real privilege. I love uh, the opportunities that are given. So thank you, Pastor Shane. And uh, today, or this week, is Maori Language Week. And uh, I've just got to confess, I am not familiar with uh, good at te reo. I have tried several times. My pronunciation is terrible. So, But what I have got is um, some two grandchildren and uh, they don't go to normal school. They go to Kura and Kohanga. And uh, so it's total immersion. They, they just speak Maori at, at, uh, at school. And uh, so I learn a lot from them. And I tell you the amazing thing is, because we're going to have a look at a little bit, look at the history of uh, the spread of the gospel through New Zealand, uh, particularly amongst uh, our Maori people. And uh, the amazing thing is in their school, they learn, ha they learn prayers, they learn songs, they learn harkas, they learn all of the things that, you know, you're not allowed to learn, or I shouldn't say not allowed to, but you don't learn in, in our normal school, especially prayer and connection to God. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a real eye-opener for me. And it's good. I can remember back when, um, remember we went through that uh, time where they looked at the New Zealand flag about changing the flag. And uh, at the same time, you know, a discussion came up about uh, changing our national anthem, so which I nearly keeled over when they said that because I love it so much, you know. And, uh, but I'll never forget one of the All Black Games and this Maori lady come out to sing the national an anthem. And she didn't have permission, but she sung, you know, she sung it in Maori first and then in English. And, and I thought, man, it was just so beautiful, you know. And it's never stopped. You notice every game, they always do the Maori version first. But it's such a beautiful version. It's a wonderful language. And it's uh, full of feeling and emotion. And it's a, it's a little bit of who the Maori are. You know, they are very sensitive, very spiritual people. And when they get touched by the Holy Spirit, you know, it's a, just a great thing to behold. And our country has been uh, totally transformed by the power of the gospel as it traveled through from tribe to tribe. Now, not by Europeans. Europeans, we brought the gospel here. The missionaries did and paid a terrific cost to do that. But they taught the Maori in the mission schools. And then it was the Maori, often uh, ones that have been slaves uh, in different, um, un under some of the great warlords uh, of the musket wars in the uh, 1810s, 1820s, uh, early 30s. And uh, they've been taken as slaves. But then when all the slaves were released, some of them went to mission schools. They went back, evangelized. And tribes all through the country, North Island and South Island, were one to Christ. And uh, it's reckoned there were two-thirds of Maori uh, embraced Christianity at that time. It was Our country has seen uh, probably the biggest revival any country in the world has ever seen at any one period of time. And it all happened in 10 years, between 1835 to 1845. So it's quite a history, isn't it? Anyway, let's thank God, shall we? Father, I just thank you for the... Lord, the wonder of lives that have been touched, Lord, through the gospel in our country. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, if there are some things here that are new and fresh for us, Lord, uh, just touch our hearts again, Lord, with the power of the gospel that we can share with those that we love 
in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to recommend a book to you. It's on your note, mentioned on your notes. It's called Huia Come Home by Jay Ruka. And uh, most of the stories that I share here and lots more are in there. It's a, it's a great book about, about the history we're talking about. And it's, it's an easy read, you know, which is the sort of book I like most of all. So anyway, um, the Bible says this, you know, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. You know, God told his people to keep telling the stories. That's why we have the Bible records of, you know, the uh, coming out of Egypt through the wilderness, all the famous battles, David and Goliath, stories to be told again and again, generation to generation. And it's the same with the good news that affects our lives and, um, and, and the stories that have happened here in New Zealand are stories uh, to be told again and again. You know, there was a tremendous response to the gospel uh, by the Maori. And there's, I, I believe there are certain reasons why. It's quite interesting. Um, my son-in-law is, is will be here in the second service and my grandchildren and, and, and he's married. And I, I've just learned so much through connecting with him and going to the marae with him, going to different celebrations. But the Maori life values are very similar to the Hebrew life values. And I'm sure that that's why they quickly embraced, uh, particularly the Old Testament, you know, there are values like their whakapapa, you know, their generations. They know who their ancestors are, their direct descendants from these different people. Uh, their, um, and, and the Bible's full of genealogies. You know, you and I maybe just look at them and think, oh, no, we can skip this chapter because it's just a list of names. But each name is a story, and uh, there's a reason to learn like that. They know who their ancestors are. They know where they come from. And, you know, the early tribes, they couldn't move around a whole lot and shift around because there was tribal warfare. And so their mountain was their mountain. Their river was their river. And those uh, are really, really important to every uh, Amari. And their land, you know, you don't sell your land. You don't cut it up like us Europeans do and chop it off to the highest buyer. You know, your land is your land. You're, you're entrusted with it to care for it for this generation. But it's for your children and their children and the next generation that will come after that. And uh, you can see why conflict happened when Europeans appeared uh, on the scene. But that's the same as what God said to, to Israel. You know, don't move the ancient boundaries. Don't sell your land. And uh, so I can easily see how they uh, responded to that. Many of the early missionaries were, were amazing, you know, great examples of Christian living. You know, they left their world, their families behind, never to return again. The early ones were evangelical, they were born again, they lived with the Maori, they spoke te reo, they learned te reo, they learned to make it a written language so they translated into the Bible, which the Bible they use in their schools, that was their, uh, their workbook for teaching uh, the Maori te reo uh, through the country. And of course they established schools, they taught the Bible and discipled new Christians. And although they made mistakes, you know, the early, they cared for the Maori. The, the Maori were struck down with different uh, illnesses, sicknesses, 
and they had no immunity against them because they were European ones. They intervened in battles. You can read accounts of them standing literally between two signs that are shooting muskets at each other, trying to stop the conflict uh, happening. There was some incredible uh, bravery, and they tried to stand up to the crime and the drunkenness, the land grabbing, etc., that other Europeans uh, did. But the obvious reason, the most uh, powerful reason that there was such a turning to Christ was the power of the gospel itself. F love and forgiveness were the two keys that brought transformation. And it caused them to change totally from their old way of living, of tribal warfare, of slavery, cannibalism, Utu, revenge, because in one person being killed, there had to be a revenge against another one. You know, the Bible says you must be born again. And God said to Israel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you. We know that that applies to us individually, but the prophecy, that prophecy was to a nation. And it's literally what God did uh, in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, the musket wars had gone on for about 30 years and it was devastating. About at least 20,000 Maori were killed in intertribal warfare and then there were lots of people who were made slaves. When you sort of put that in context, in World War I, uh, all that when our soldiers uh, went overseas, 18,000 never returned. They died on the battlefield. So more more Maori died here in intertribal warfare than all of the people who died uh, in the First World War from New Zealand. But in the next 10 years, from 1835 to 45, uh, there were 64,000 out of about 110,000 uh, attending church in New Zealand. It's pretty, it's just an amazing uh, reality. I'm just going to quickly try to tell talk about three of the great chiefs, the great warlords, and the feared, and, and, uh, and they really were. They were famous, and they were feared throughout the country uh, for their, uh, their, war, their war, war, warring ways in the musket wars. And then the next generation, the change that sort of happened, they all were of a certain age, and uh, they died at a certain time, but then there was a new generation that raised up, that received Christ and brought the gospel. The first was the paramount chief Hongi Hika uh, in the north, in the Bay of Islands. And he made this statement, this is a quote of his. He said, Christianity, he was the one who invited Samuel Marsden to come and set up mission station uh, in the Bay of Islands. But he said this, he said, Christianity might be suited to a nation of slaves, but was irrelevant for one of warriors. So you can imagine if you're one of his uh, gung-ho warrior chiefs, you're not going to go to church on Sunday because you might, might get into serious trouble with the, with the big boss. But that was the reality. That was his mode of, mode of living. Though he uh, let the missionaries come there and use them in different ways, uh, he never embraced Christianity himself. But his raiding parties went all over the North Island. He went as far south as Gisborne, uh, on the east coast and on the west coast down into Taranaki as far as Taupo and all the places in between at different times he waged warfare 
when he went there, he devastated. And, uh, you know, they, he, they got the musket. He was one of the first ones to get muskets and went in and literally devastated the tribes. Took back many slaves back up into the north to do the work for them. When he died, so that was their way of living, but when he died in 1828, and within five years, the slaves were all released through the country. So the slaves were in the north, the Bay of Islands, where the missionaries were. And they were given permission to attend the mission schools. Some of them, when they were freed, they stayed back at the mission school for two or three years and learnt the word of God. They became great evangelists, great proclaimers of the gospel. And uh, when they went back to their tribes, there was transformation that happened. One of them I've mentioned there from the East Cape, Gisborne, his name is Piripi Taumata Akura. So Piripi means Philip in English, so I'm sorry, Piripi, but it's a lot easier for me. And um, but So he was there. He'd been there for over 10 years at, up there. And so as far as his people back home were concerned, he was dead. He was gone forever. They would never see him again. But in 1833, there was a trading vessel from Gisborne that had four chiefs on board and other uh, people on board as well. And it got caught in a storm. And the storm blew it all the way up to the Bay of Islands. And when they reached the Bay of Islands, the storm had ceased. The uh, Ngāpui war canoes came out and captured the vessel, took everyone on board back to make them slaves. But the missionaries intervened with them and said, would you send them to mission school? And so they got permission to go uh, to the mission school, which they stayed there for eight months. When the slaves were finally released, they caught a boat back to the East Cape. When they arrived back at the East Cape, the people were amazed that their chiefs were still alive. But where they were especially amazed, and I was talking to Pastor Norm McLeod from Breakthrough Church in Gisborne, and he said they still tell the stories down there that when Philip came back, it was like he'd been raised from the dead. You know, he'd been gone for so long. And here he is preaching a gospel about a, a, a saviour who's been crucified and risen from the dead. And he was a tremendous uh, communicator of the gospel. And uh, all through the tribes all around the East Cape uh, converted to Christianity. When the first missionary came there in 1838, the first service, there was a thousand Maori turned up with prayer books and Bibles in hand. They estimate there were over 3,000 uh, practicing Christians uh, in that area at that time. Another one was like from South Taranaki, Wurumu, Niranatai. He'd again been taken as a slave uh, up in the north. When, when he was freed, he stayed there for another two or three years and uh, really trained up and, and learned how to train others. And when he went back to um, South Taranaki, he trained up evangelists and they started evangelizing tribe after tribe. But you know, there was still, it was still a time of tribal warfare and Utu and all of those things happening. Four of his missionaries, four of his evangelists uh, were martyred as they went to new tribes to try to share the gospel. But, uh, but this, you know, the story said when, when one was killed, another would stand up and just go into the tribe until they were converted to Christianity. And that whole area was touched by the gospel uh, through the preaching of the Maori, not through the missionary. 
In the Waikato, the, the great chief there was a chief called Waharoa, and, uh, and, and they had all of the Waikato. Basically, he was the warlord over the Waikato with many chiefs uh, under him. But he sent and asked for a missionary to come. Nobody knows why he did, because he didn't embrace Christianity himself, but he invited them to come, and I guess it was partly for trade, intelligence, all sorts of different reasons. But God's hand, God did a mighty work in the Waikato. And it's the next one slide after that, sorry. And the mission station was, bought, uh, was built near Matamata. The Tiwaharoa's nephew, Nakuku, was the chief of that pa, and he had a daughter called Tarori. I've told the story uh, here before, so I won't spend a lot of time, time on it. But the, there was, you know, it was, the message was about uh, love and peace, and they embraced the gospel. They became Christians uh, soon after the, the missionaries arrived. So, so too did um, Wiramu Tamahana, who was the son of the chief Waharoa. They all became Christians at the same time, uh, early in the peace of the missionaries uh, coming to be there. But there was still warfare, and so Nakuki decided to take the tribe to safety to Tauranga. But on the way there, a, a Rotorua war, war party came and attacked them, and the only person that was killed was little Tarori, 12 years of age. And um, she was uh, just somebody that loved the Lord so much. The missionary had given Nakuku a copy of the Gospel of Luke, which they uh, you know, which is the, uh, the only gospel that they had. And he had given it to Tarori, and she wore it around her neck in a, in a little flax uh, kit that she had made. When she was killed by the Rotorua chief called Uita, he took the kit from her, thinking there would be some sort of treasure in there, green stone or trinkets or something that would be of value. And uh, when he got back, he found there's only a Bible uh, a New Testament, a uh, Gospel of Luke in it, and nobody in his tribe could read. So it was something that he firstly threw to the ground, but then he picked it up and he put it up on his shelf. Now, coincidentally, there was a slave coming from the north called Repahau. So it's a sort of like a crossover of, of different lives. And um, he came to Tauranga and met Nakuku and the missionary. And he heard the story of Nakuku, how Nakuku had carried his daughter back to the tribe. And the tribe had been, the warriors were calling out to have Utu that they needed to attack uh, straight away and to um, get revenge for what had happened. But Utu, um, Nakuku refused to. And he remembered what the Gospel of Luke said about the power of forgiveness, saying, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. <coughs> do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who hurt you he remembered that Jesus was the Utu and the Reverend Brown records the words that Chief Nakuku said he said there lies my child she has been murdered as a payment for your bad conduct but do not you rise up to obtain satisfaction for her God will do that let this be the conclusion of the war with Rotorua. <coughs> Let peace be now made. So he refused to go out and to, to, to attack. <coughs> Sorry. 
of the missionary, Reverend Brown, he said this, it was only the power of the Holy Spirit in the cuckoo that caused that to happen. But that was a turning point, not just for that tribe, but it became a part of the story of the share of the gospel uh, through New Zealand. I'm going to have fun, I think. I won't put it down then. <clears throat> so anyway, Uita had put it up in his, in his um, forry, his house, and Reaperhow, the slave, happened to be passing down, staying at different marais, and he stayed with him. Thank you, that's awesome. <laughs> that's better, eh? Order. Fantastic. And... Um, and so he went and he picked it up. When he opened the cover, he saw the name Nakuku written on it and realized this was the man who had murdered Tarori. Anyway, the chief asked um, Reaper how to start reading the gospel to them. So night after night, he stayed there and read the gospel. Many of them, uh, lives were, tr were changed. Uita himself made a decision to follow Christ. And he said this, he said, I want to follow the words in this book. I want to make Jesus my chief, but I can't do that until I do something first. I will find that girl's father and ask forgiveness for what I've done. And he went to Tauranga. He met Nakuku. The eyewitnesses said how they embraced each other and wept together. And the missionary said that night at the prayer meeting, they were worshipping the Lord together. And he said, who but the Christian can love their enemies? I mean, it's amazing uh, story that brought transformation. Somebody who was affected by that was Wiramu Tamahana. Uh, he became a great leader. He was Waharoa's son. When Waharoa was dying, he said to Wiramu, I want you to forget the missionary ways and to go back to the, our ways of warfare. But Wiramu refused. And one day, he was a famous warrior. And one day, he had called all the tribe together and in a place called Tatanui he dug a hole in the ground and the gun belt that you see wrapped around his uh, chest there, he took that off and he buried it and he picked up the Bible and said we are now living the Christian way and of course this affected all the tribes uh, in the Waikato because he was the paramount uh, chief of the tribes, he was a man of peace he became a great negotiator. I've just been reading a book. It's about that thick of all his letters and correspondence to governor generals, to Maori chiefs, and uh, he had a tremendous impact on, the, on, the, on our nation. And he became what is called the kingmaker. So he um, chose the first king, and uh, he was the one that, um, you know, that brought in a, a Maori king uh, into, our, into our country. Now, the third one, was, uh, the warlord, was Taraupaha. You might have heard of him, because he's sort of famous for the, for the haka, you know, the kamati, kamati, the all blacks do, or one of the ones that they do. And, uh, but he was another fear, fearsome warlord. He, he went to the South Island, to all the different tribes all around the South Island. And uh, if you read any of the stories, it's just, you know, makes you, you know, you just think, wow. Incredible, just kill, killing people, making slaves, and rav ravaging the land. And, and he had a son called Katu. Katu, like Tarapipi, was going to be the next chief. 
But at 20 years of age, Reepahau ended up back in Otaki. He'd been on his way down from the Bay of Islands through Tauranga, Rotorua. Now he gets down to Otaki and he meets up with Katu and, his, uh, and Katu's cousin called Tefifi and shares the gospel with them. They become Christians. But here's what they did is, is that um, Katu and Tefifi asked him to come to Kapiti Island, which is where their tribe was based. They went over there for six months. They only had one copy of the New Testament. And so what the, they did is they tore it in half, and in their own journals, they say day and night, all they did was read the Bible for six months. They were there with Reepahau learning Toreo, but also just taking the gospel in and reading it day and night until they were just so full of God and the word of God and were competent with it. And then they went to uh, mission school for another two years. Anyway, <clears throat> they, when, when they were there, Reepahau told them the story about Nakuku and Tarori. And uh, the gospel uh, ended up coming down to Otaki. It was sent down with a group of Bibles. <coughs> And they were so taken by the story of asking forgiveness and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ that they were convicted that they needed to go to every village in the South Island asking forgiveness and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. When his father heard about it to Rapraha, he was really angry because there was still an Utu that he wanted uh, Katu to, to complete for him. But uh, Katu refused to, and the two of them went off. They took a sailing ship over to the South Island. They stayed there for a year, and they went completely around the island. You know, when missionaries came, the whole of the South Island was converted to Christianity. I was just talking to Pastor Mike Knott. He's got a uh, Elam church in, in Greymouth just a week ago, and he just happened to say to me, he said, he said, you know, the Maori down here, they still talk about it, that it was the Maori that brought the gospel to the West Coast. And he said, when they, when, they got a, when they were converted to Christianity and they wanted to get baptized, they would walk all the way to Nelson or walk over the Southern Alps to Christchurch just to get baptized. That was the hunger that was in their heart for the things of Christ. You know, we've seen amazing things in our country. And some of these stories that really outline a lot better in that book than what I've been trying to share with you. But the stories aren't told a lot. You know, a lot of them are sort of covered up. Sometimes there are just groups of people that don't want these stories to be told. But the reality is this is our heritage. You know, this is who we are. This is how we have been uh, blessed in this country so much by the power of uh, the gospel. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Shane. I just uh, hope some of that stuff's been helpful and interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>